Hi again, everyone. Thanks for joining us again for the Holy Spirit series. And as we continue uh, this mini-series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And today I want us to look at grace gifts. Before we launch into looking individually at least each of the gifts of the Spirit, I want us to consider how these are grace gifts that come to us through grace um, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verse 7 and 8, we read these words. Ephesians 4, um, 7 and 8. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, the picture there that Paul is painting is of a military leader returning home at the head of his army after routing enemy troops. And he has taken prisoners uh, of the enemy. And the idea is that as he returns in this triumphant um, homecoming, that he shares the spoils of battle with his own people and gives gifts as tokens of victory. And so the focus here is that as Christ ascended on high, after dying for our sins, being buried and rising again, that as he enters heaven, as it were, he, he now distributes gifts to, to mankind. In John seven thirty nine, we see that the focus of the Holy Spirit and his giftings is always Christ. He who believes in me, Jesus said, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him, that is in Jesus, would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Ephesians says it was when Jesus was glorified and entered heaven, that these gifts were given. But I want you to see that the focus in, in Ephesians 4 and in John 7 is on Jesus. In John fourteen twelve, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. It's all because Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to heaven in glory that these gifts are distributed among um, the, the, the church. So let's keep our focus on Jesus. These gifts are literally in the Greek charisms or charismata as, as some have coined it. These are grace gifts. They're freely given because Jesus purchased them for us. When he died, he rose again and ascended to heaven. It's all because of him. So let's keep Jesus at the center of it all. Another passage I want you to consider is 1 Corinthians 12. At the beginning of Paul's uh, teaching on the gifts of the Spirit there, he, he introduces in the first three verses by establishing a broad principle of how to discern whether or not uh, claimed gifts are in fact of God, that they're actually authentic. And we read there, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. That's interesting because basically what he's saying is an idol doesn't speak. An idol does not communicate with its devotees. But you've got a God who speaks. And we saw last time that part of the gifts of the Spirit is the communication of God. Um, we're seeing the power of God communicated to us. Um, through these gifts. Verse 3. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. 
And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now you see what's happening here. Here's a test of whether giftings are really authentic. Do, do they glorify the real Jesus? Again, it's all about keeping Jesus at the center of it all and focusing on him. Remember in John fifteen twenty six, Jesus, as he promised the Spirit from himself and the Father, he said of the Spirit that he will testify of me. So it's as if the Holy Spirit, if, if you th- think of this analogy, Jesus is the man, the hero on the stage, and it's as if the Holy Spirit is the guy up in the rafters of the theatre stage shining the spotlight down on the primary actor, that is Jesus. The Holy Spirit shines the spotlight on Christ. Again in John sixteen fourteen, Jesus said, He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit doesn't essentially promote himself or any man or woman for that matter, but he glorifies Jesus. That's his job. And true ministry of the Spirit will be according to the nature of Jesus. It it will shine the spotlight on Jesus, glorify Jesus, witness to the truths that Jesus taught us when he was on the earth. But it will also exhibit the nature of Jesus. And that's where the fruit of the Spirit comes in. The fruit of the Spirit is the way we judge ministry, whether it's of God or not. Love in 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched right between the, the Paul's excursus on the, the gifts in chapter 12 and 14. And of course, Paul is a great pains to emphasize that these gifts must be used in a way to edify and profit all. Love has got to be at the center of it all. And so the spiritual gifts, as, as I think it was Warren Wearsby put it, should lift up the Lord and build up the saints and not puff up the participants. Lift up the Lord, build up the saints, but not puff up the participants. Now let's look at two different types of gifts that are described in the New Testament. First of all, there are ministry gifts. And we find those in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, Paul tells us there that, that Jesus, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the purpose of that was verse uh, 12 and 13 of Ephesians 4, for the equipping of the saints, not to do all the work for, for, for the church. Pastors are not meant to do all the work for the church. And they're not, certainly not meant to be paid to do the work. That's the, not the point of these roles. But, but all these ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, are for the equipping of saints, to impart giftings to the saints and abilities, to teach them for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So I want you to see that these gifts are... Christ's gifts to the church. They're not the gifts of the Spirit. They're Christ's gifts to the church. And they are ministry gifts. And actually these gifts are people. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. These are persons who are given to the church by Christ to equip the saints for the works of ministry. But the gifts of the Spirit are slightly different. They're probably around nine, generally speaking. They may not be absolutely specific, and there may be a broad spectrum of these gifts. We read of some in Romans 12, as well as 1 Corinthians 
12 and other references in parts of the New Testament. But essentially they've been boiled down by Paul in Corinthians to the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, plural, workings of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, plural, different kinds of tongues, plural, and interpretation of tongues. So there's the gifts of Christ, the church that are people, certain ministers and how they go about it, a five-fold ministry. And listen to me, the church is all the poor if it does not recognize and allow these people to operate in their ranks. There must be order, there must be recognition, all those things need to be taken for granted. But very often we have boiled everything down to the one man or woman, a minister, a pastor, one leader, or even a team of those people. But we expect all these ministry abilities to be rolled into one or two or a few people. When in fact, these were gifts that were in a mobile ministry very often, except pastor that is. And these uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers roamed around in a peripatetic ministry, ministering to all the body of Christ. And I think we need to get back to this if the church is to be stronger and give a full expression of the ministry of Christ. For that's essentially what these fivefold ministry were to do, express the ministry uh, power of Jesus to the church. But then there's spiritual gifts. Again, it's still the expression of the power of, of God through Christ, but these are abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to different people. Different abilities to different people, and we'll see more about that as we look at these individually. But is it not sad that the church is divided over these gifts, these grace gifts, for many, many reasons? Not least it has to be said because of the abuse of these gifts in certain ranks of the church, certain spiritual circles. And some of you who are listening to me may have been turned off these gifts because of bad experiences that you have had yourself or or a loved one or a friend. But the danger is because of bad teaching and bad experience, we reject what in fact God has given us through Christ by the power of the Spirit for our good, for our edification and for the building up of the church so that we all come into unity and maturity of a full-statured Christ-likeness. Now, I hope you'll agree with me that there's such a thing as bad preaching. There's such a thing as uh, harsh preaching, cruel, legalistic preaching. There's there's such a thing as heretical, uh, erroneous preaching because of the doctrine that may be espoused in the preaching. But we don't reject preaching, per se, because of the abuse of it. Isn't that right? And neither should we reject the gifts of the Spirit or the ministry gifts of Christ because at times they they have not been executed well or with good character. You know something? Satan only ever counterfeits the true. You've never heard of a counterfeit 30 pound note or a $30 bill for that reason. There's, there's never been a counterfeit £30 note or $30 bill simply because there's no such a thing as a true, genuine £30 note or $30 bill. You see, a counterfeiter uh, studies the authentic note to replicate it and he's not going to study something that doesn't exist. And Satan is not going to try to counterfeit or replicate something that does not exist. So 
really what you should be asking is the question, well, if there's a lot of misuse and abuse of the gifts of the Spirit, so-called, and at times represented as the work of the Holy Spirit, where is the true? Where is the genuine? And a lot of people who criticize the use of the gifts of the Spirit today, they're not looking for the true or genuine. They just want to say these things aren't needed and they don't exist today in authenticity. Leonard Ravenhill once put it well, we've been warned of false fire by fireless men and too often we settle for no fire at all. Yes, I'm sure there's false fire. I'm sure there's counterfeits and abuses of the gifts. But where is the true? Where is what Jesus promised? Where is what Christ gave to the church and the Holy Spirit abilities that he told us we would have and the New Testament teach? And one of the greatest masterstrokes of the enemy is to get the church fighting amongst themselves over the one person that is essential for us to complete our ministry and spread the good news to see the kingdom of Jesus Christ from shore to shore across this planet. I want you to note something before we delve into the specific study of each of these gifts of the Holy Spirit in particular. The context of Paul's teaching here, the church at Corinth, they were a very charismatic church. We saw that last week. Uh, Paul's desire was that they would come behind a new gift and it seemed that they were exercising their gifts to a problematic level. They were charismatic, but they were also problematic. And yet I want you to see, and this is so important, Paul did not come in and say, stop those spiritual gifts, they are counterfeit. Were they abusing them? Yes, they were. But Paul didn't say that you're using gifts from the devil or they're demonic. Yes, he told them they had abused those gifts, but Paul taught them in the midst of their abuse what the true use of them should be. And he brought certain guidelines Uh, Some of them may well be particular to Corinth, but he certainly gave them some instruction as to how these gifts should be used in an orderly fashion. So, Paul, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, prescribes the use of the gifts of the Spirit, how they should be used, rather than proscribing them, telling them they are not to be used. I know that at the core of of many of your hearts there is a fear of the gifts of the Spirit and sometimes what is claimed in the name of the Holy Spirit because you don't want something that's false. You don't want something that's counterfeit. Something maybe that's of the flesh, emotionalism or something that is worse of the devil, some demonic deception. Can I say you that to the Lord Jesus already anticipated that people probably would be afraid of the Holy Spirit. And we've looked at this passage before when we talked about receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Um, we saw in Luke chapter 11 that Jesus says, Ask and you will, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You understand, if you're a father or a mother out there and you, your child's hungry, you're not going to give him a stone instead of bread to break his teeth on. You're not going to give him a scorpion instead of fish 
to feed him, something that will harm or hurt him or her. And in the same way, if you're seeking after the true authentic giftings that God has given by his Holy Spirit, and you ask him for those, and you seek and you knock and pursue those, he is not going to allow you, unless you're foolish in some way and, and submit to some un, ungodly uh, authority. But he, if you're close to him and asking by faith and abiding in him, he's not going to give you something that will hurt you. He's not going to allow that to happen. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? So you can come without fear. And some of us have been inoculated, vaccinated against the positive influence and effects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And some of us need to repent of what we've believed before. Some of us need to repent of what we've actually articulated of that teaching, that these gifts are not for today. We need to renounce that, the denial and unbelief of these gifts. But we also need to overcome fear and begin to trust that our Heavenly Father knows what's best for us, for us as individuals to edify us and build us up in these gifts, but primarily to edify the church, to build one another up in love, that the church should look like Jesus Christ. On the contrary, Paul tells these Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, rather than to be afraid of these gifts he says but earnestly desire the best gifts earnestly desire the best gifts and yes he says yet i show you a more excellent way of love because love is the most important thing of all but he instructs them to go after these things and these the corinthians who already look like they're pretty well going after it all but i want you to see that though he's saying to them look you're, you're absent of love. You're absent of the true characteristics of Christ as you're operating in these gifts. And there's no order at all. You're getting carried away. It's chaotic, charismata. But he doesn't tell them, cool it down, put the brakes on, try and think of something else for a while. He says, earnestly desire the best gifts. Okay? Um, and then when you come to chapter 14 and verse 39, his parting shot um, is... Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. Yes, let all things be done decently and in order, verse 40. But it does say, let all things be done decently and in order. And so many of us home in on the decently and in order, but are all things related to the gifts of the Spirit, are all things being done? I'll ask you a couple of questions just as I close today. You might want to think about, and maybe even in, in your church context, um, as leaders, you might want to discuss why it's easier for some churches to believe that these gifts are no longer relevant today. It's probably less messy, brings less problems, perhaps. But ultimately, what do we lose out? And secondly, consider the potential difference that these gifts might make to your own everyday life and the life and mission of the church in our society today. Think about that. Ponder these things before we launch into each of these gifts. And please do spread this video. Love people to get this as far and wide as possible. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for the death, the burial and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we thank you that when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men and women, abilities that we need in the church. And I thank you for the ministry gifts, the individuals, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers that have been given to the church. I pray that your church will come into a, a time when they will begin to recognize these people that are in their their, their ranks and things will not be um, uh, uh, curtailed to one man or woman as a pastor or a minister, but we'll see the priesthood of all believers and the giftedness of the body. But Lord, I just ask that everybody listening to this teaching today will open their hearts to what you're really saying. And certainly I would ask that there would be a breaking down of the stronghold of fear in people's lives, whether through uh, false doctrine or bad experience with those who claim to operate in these gifts, Lord, that you would break those barriers down so that you may move in the sweet nature and character of Christ into their life, also not only in the personality of Jesus, but in the power of Jesus. And that those listening to me would begin, if they haven't already, to move proficiently in the giftings of the Holy Spirit for their good and the edification of your body, Lord Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. See you again next time as we begin to explore these gifts.